Hey, what's up, guys? Derek Marzo here from Behind the Smoke Podcast. Um, I'm here with my main man, Sean Walchef of Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are going to be doing an awesome episode today. We're really, really excited to bring this guest in. Um, but how you doing, Sean? How you feeling? I'm surviving, Derek. Yeah. You're trying to kill me. I'm on week two. Week so. two. I'll tell you what, though. I am um, extremely impressed that you continue to show up. Your persistence is not only via email... <laughs> it is also being persistent coming to these workouts. So uh, it was awesome. Today was a was probably one of the harder workouts we've done in a while. Yeah, and uh, it's the MMA gym over tenth tenth Planet Fitness over in Spring Valley. I mean, it's it's something I never thought I would do. Um, you know, having played high school football, basketball, tennis, doing all different kinds of workout, doing training three a days, all kinds of different stuff. I've never done any high intensity interval training where I'm getting screamed at in a positive, <laughs> in a positive manner, um, in, in a way that actually feel, I feel good. But I think part of the, part of the best part is being uncomfortable and knowing that if I don't sign myself up and know that you're going to be there and know that, you know, the class is going to start, that's what motivates me to get back so that I, no matter how shitty I am in the class, no matter how long it takes me to run one lap, um, as long as I finish that fucking lap and I come back the next day, that's all that matters. Yeah, we talked about, um, you know, the, the type of training that it is. And my my biggest thing was actually being able to submit to the trainer and just be like, I'm coming here for an hour knowing that you are going to absolutely work my ass off. I, I mean, I'm, I there's zero chance I could push myself that hard in that hour of work. Um <laughs> so I just submit to him and say, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to go, whether or not I'm pouting or throwing this fucking thing around. Like, I, I, we just go. And it's, it's fucking uh, ridiculous. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's so fun. how much weight can you lift? Uh, you can do about 15s? Okay, yeah. You yeah. know, pyramid. Like, right. what the fuck's a pyramid? Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden you're doing just ridiculous kind of shit. I, I love the one he does. Okay, get something that you can curl 10 times <laughs> where you're struggling 10 times. You're like, okay, let's do it. And you get out there. He's like, all right, your first set, do 15. Yeah. Like, you fucking motherfucker. Second set, do 20. Yeah. Third set, do 30. You're like, what the fuck yeah. is happening? Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's good. Um, it's good to push yourself. It's good to, you know, it's one of those things we talk about now being a dad. My wife, you know, I talk about it, it's my baby weight that I've put on somehow. You know, my, my wife looks amazing. It's and contagious. all of a sudden I'm, I'm this big fat piece of shit. But, um, you know, it's taken me to get back to taking classes um, to get myself healthy again. Got to do it. It's a long, long game. Yeah, it's if you're not going to do it, I mean, Fuck. it's not like you can take some magic pill. No. So you just got to get there and do it every day and be persistent as you are, man. Yeah, so we're coming up here, episode number 63. Um, it's really cool for us. We've come a long way with the podcast, talked to all different kinds of people. And um, for us, we get to bring on another family business, a San Diego institution. Kobe's, Absolutely. Kobe's Swap Meet. Um, Anthony Prado. Uh, welcome to Behind the Smoke. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate the invitation to come on down to the uh, Valley Farm Market, and I appreciate kind of meet, having the conversations thus far um, on social media, Sean. Um, I mo- just recently kind of moved to the area a couple years ago, and I was born and raised in kind of the central San Diego, Point mm-hmm. Loma, Mission Hills, and ever since I've come out east opened my eyes up to a whole new world yep um it's it's funny people i mean if you it's like andy yeah andy harris it's crazy there's a world out here yeah out east i promise yeah 
where, where people and people are always like, oh my gosh, it's so far. And it's like, it's not that far. No, it's, it's, it's really, really not. That not. Far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I live right in El Cajon, um, moved out here in 2015 and with my wife and uh, my now one-year-old uh, twin babies. And so hearing, you, yeah, hearing you guys talk about getting in the gym and working your asses off is getting me kind of motivated that I need to do that too. Yeah. Wow. My, my twins. Twin, yeah. My twin girls just turned a year old, uh, actually a month ago. So they're 13 months old. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. That's incredible. Twins. That's, yeah. that's a big project. My Duh. wife and I talked about it before we had our first one. We're like, you know, maybe if we got twins and kind of got it out of the way, it'd be a good idea. <laughs> then after we had one, we're like, fuck no. Can you imagine having no, twins? No, no. Have, I have one child and I don't know how, I don't know how you do it with my, three. I have three, but my first two are 18 months apart and that's okay. close enough to being twins. And I'm like, yeah. dude, that's, that's a lot. So. Kudos to you that you're yeah, no, uh, thank you. doing your thing, man. Congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. I, we did not expect it, but it was a blessing, and we are very happy. Um, it's, there's definitely some long, sleepless nights, but our family's a, a big village of people, so sure. lots of people helping out. So Yeah, I think one of the blessed. things we love talking about on the podcast is you know family business, uh, generational businesses, entrepreneurial businesses. When you get involved on a level where... I mean, so many people grow up and they're around their parents or they're around their grandparents. And a lot of the times they fucking hate the business that their family's in because you're just so used to it. And, you're, you know, it's like I've talked about on the podcast how much I hated going to the restaurant. You know, my grandfather, and my grandma, they would take me, you know, when we were in, when we were eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, Saturday, Sunday, instead of being in La Jolla playing on the beach, I would be out at the restaurant busting tables and washing dishes. And I fucking hated it. Um, but. Now, looking back, I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. No, definitely. I I kind of have a little different perspective. I was involved in all of the advertising, kind of used as the poster boy for our family. I love that. So I was born in 88, and Kobe Swami was started by my grandfather, Monty Kobe. Um, Which is his birthday today. Today is his birthday. Very so, cool. And I know it was, it was kind of deja vu when you texted me and said, we have an opening this coming week, uh, July 17th. And I was like, wait a second. There's something else on that day. Yeah. And so I went up to my mom. I was like, you know what? I think I have to do this. Yeah. There, 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 there's something more to it. So, um, yeah, born in 88. And I was the first grandbaby of, uh, uh, or the next generation of really? the family. You were yep. the first one? Yeah. I, I was the first one yeah. for my grandfather, too. And he tragically passed away in 89 due to a tainted blood transfusion. Um, he had went in um, to the for, for a checkup. And had a quadruple bypass heart Jeez. surgery. And w- during that, he was given uh, HIV. Oh, man. And so he was able to live with it for about four or five years. And in 89, he passed away. So a little over a year after I was born. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, my mom was only 28 years old. And Kobe's was just about skyrocketing through the kind of the central San Diego businesses and Sa- San Diego, Southern California businesses. And so she was fully in, enthralled into this business uh, alongside my dad, um, Chuck. And then uh, kind of fast forward 25 years uh, after I got out of high school, I went to college a couple years in Arizona. I was like, you know what? I want to come back home, work for the family business, learn, learn this interesting business that is unlike anything else in the world. I mean, how many people say they get to work at a swap meet? So yeah, break it down for us. Give us, you know, for the listeners that don't know, yeah. um, obviously in San Diego, if you, everyone knows Kobe's cause right. uh, you know, San Diego institution, but yeah, let us, uh, let the listeners know. 
So yeah, we're an outdoor marketplace that operates out on the parking lot of the San Diego Sports Arena, aka the Valley View Casino Center. And we've operated there since 1980, August of 1980. So we're entering into our 38th year of operation there. And on any given day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there'll be upwards of 250, 500, 750 vendors. So basically like a little shopping mall that sets up portably every single day. And we'll have, again, upwards of 10,000 people walk through those gates and looking for the best bargains in Southern California. Is there anything you can't sell? Pornography, yeah. drugs, right? Weed. That's that's pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, much but... the standard stuff. Counterfeit counterfeit merchandise we're huge on. Okay. Um, I won't mention like... any other names in the industry, but we take a big approach on counterfeit merchandise, meaning your crappy Louis Vuitton purses, sure, fake okay. Rolexes, right, right. Because I mean, fake perfume, exactly. Because I mean, a lot of people connotate swap meets with. Let's go down to the swap meet and get a, a twenty dollar Louis Vuitton wallet. Right. Yeah. Not at Kobe's. You don't. You don't allow that. No, we don't allow. We don't condone it. I mean, one because we are uh, a tenant of the city of San Diego. Mm-hmm. So we report. So your lease is actually with the city of San so Diego. So our lease is with the sports arena. Okay. But the sports arena, because it is city land. Correct. The, the city of San Diego gets into our books whenever they want. Sure. And with that being said, we work hand in hand with the local jurisdictions, police department, the state board with sellers permits, business tax licenses. So every one of our sellers, if you're not just having a garage sale out there, you've got to be licensed. So whereas, let, let's say you and Sean want to come out there and have a garage sale, you don't have to have a license. But if you want to start selling, I don't know, hats and T-shirts, you have to have your proper licensing. Mm-hmm. Just like you would in a more like a brick and mortar store. Sure. So that, that that's kind of interesting. It's it's kind of like the, uh, uh, the OG Kickstarter. Yeah. Sure. It's kind of, I mean, it's interesting to... They don't crack down more, you know, thinking about it now with the tax implications for people because they're always trying to fucking get in our pockets, right? Of they're, course. They're trying to figure out how to, how to get more money out yep. of us. Um, but that's, I mean, it's an outlet for sure. I mean, I know myself growing up, I, I was really big into buying and selling stuff. So whether it be Craigslist, He's really mates, fucking good at it, actually. Um, <laughs> and, and, I mean, literally, I would make like sixty to $100,000 a year wow. buying and selling and trading up yep. diff- different items. Of course. And it allowed me something to do that was, I mean, it's exciting. You know, you, you no, can, can get a bunch of stuff and, you know, people that might not know the value of certain things and they're just trying to get out of it or at an estate sale or something, I can go buy it myself and look at it and then I can go to the swap meet or somewhere. <clears throat> what also would happen is that when I'd move, a lot of times I'd just throw a lot of shit out and then I'm like, fuck, let's take a whole trailer. I'm not going to take one thing back with me. So that, towards the end of the swap meet, I'm like, everything for X amount. Exactly. You know, someone would come pick it all up and, and go. Blow it all out. And then before you know it, you made $1,000 that day where you were going to yeah. throw everything away. So it gives you an outlet to, to do those uh, those things and make some extra money for your family. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's funny you mentioned that about moving. When my wife and I, uh, after we got engaged, um, it was time to raise money for our wedding. And, of course, we had some money coming from my family and her family. But we still had a big nut to break. And sure. so we... We would go down to the swap meet, I would say, once a month. And like you said, if you make that $1,000 nut, that's mm-hmm. that's huge. It's big. Yeah. So, and so we probably raised ten grand just selling shit at the yeah. swap meet. Right. I mean, old clothes, maybe old video games, old old stuff that we don't have lying, lying around the house that you, you're never going to use. Dude. It's crazy. Until you move, you don't realize how much shit we collect. Dude, it's like, so... all of a sudden, you collect all this stuff. And I mean, look at how big business storages are. Yep. People are like, oh, that's my storage. And like... I have family members that they hold on to this shit and they're like, oh my God, 
I, I swear they think they're holding gold bars in their fucking storage. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have gold bars, dude. Yeah. You haven't even gone into that fucking storage. Like get rid of that stuff and you know live a little bit. And it's crazy. People don't even realize how much per month they're forking out. Oh. They just give them their they just give them the storage. It's insane. It's their more, credit card and it's just on an auto run. Two months, and, it's worth more than the value of whatever exactly. the fuck is and in. Exactly. And so it's funny you mentioned that about the storage unit industry. A TV show, Storage Wars on yep. A and E, was birthed because of vendors at Kobe Swap Meet. Oh, really? So Dave Hester, Daryl Sheets, mm-hmm. Dave Hester, the guy that says, yup. Yeah. And then Daryl Sheets, those are Kobe Swap Meet vendors. No way. And they sell with us almost every week. No weekend. fucking way. Yeah. And so we've had <laughs> wow. multiple filming opportunities at the Swap Meet, photo shoots, so on and so forth. And so it's kind of been interesting kind of seeing this weird industry of the Swap Meet industry put onto a big screen. Well, and now it's one of the biggest shows on, in terms of reality shows, that's been running, I think, almost 10 years. That's so crazy. I mean, for us, it's just, it's cool to know that we had Brian Smith, the founder of UGG, on this podcast. And literally, he's talking about the times where he would go down to Kobe Swap Meet yep. and be trying to sell fucking Uggs out of, you know, the back of his van. And, you know, we have had, had Ernie Hahn on, yep. who runs Valley View Casino Center. And just to see things from a different side and to think of how many different people your family has impacted on a seller side, but also just on a buying side. I mean, my wife used to always I mean, go to the swap meet right when she she came from Bulgaria. Her and her girlfriends would go there every fucking weekend. Yeah, I mean, you got guys like me who are very impulsive on buying shit sometimes. And, you know, I've, I've never... <laughs> but you're good at selling shit, too. I've That's... never in my life returned an item. <laughs> like i'm like i'm so like i bought it and it's like oh it doesn't fit just throw it in the closet and then right? it's still got the fucking tag on it and i've never i hate returning it. shit so sometimes when i go to the swap meets i'm like oh shit i can get rid of I these, that. Get rid of these. I mean, and yeah. then i'm selling at the swap meet with tags on them like brand, <laughs> brand new items with with tags and and selling them i mean and we're talking about storage one of my best friends Corey, he's moving right now and you know he's like okay i'm gonna put this in storage you know and Unfortunately, his wife passed away a year ago. Um, you know, a, she had a, a brain issue, and it just happened all of a sudden. And you know, we're kind of picking up the pieces and helping him out. And it's uh, it's crazy all the stuff he has. Now he's like, "Well, I'm going to put it all in storage." I'm like, "Corey, you got to think about this real quick. How much is that stuff really worth?" Now, all of her stuff that you want to keep, like, put it in my 100%, garage. One hundred percent. Put it in my yeah, garage yeah, before yeah. You, when you find your new house, whatever you do. Like, we'll keep that stuff. Yeah. But everything else, like fucking, let's let's eighty six it, dude. Like yeah. let's get it because before you know, it, you're paying a couple hundred bucks a month, and then you know it's like, oh well, I'll get it out next year. Then it's like you no, just you paid never three thousand dollars in storage yep. for a thousand dollars worth of shit, like literal shit. Yeah. Like let's let's just get rid of it. So took my trailer down there, and he's gonna load it up, and we have uh, one of our workers. He's gonna take it to the swap meet and uh, go yeah. and go see what he can do, and they're going to split the, the profits. I mean, yeah. literally, I mean, it's, like you said, you can make $1,000, why not do it? Yeah. It gives everyone a, a, a outlet. So how many swap meets are there in San Diego? Three? So in the county of San Diego, they are, I believe there's five. So there's us, Central San Diego, Point Loma, Spring Valley, out where we are, uh-huh. um, Santee, and then you go North oh, County. there is a Santee one. Yeah, Santee's out, out of the drive-in, and yeah. then you go North County, Escondido, Oceanside. Oceanside is also at a drive-in, and actually, I forgot one more. There's another drive-in down in uh, South County uh, on right off of Coronado Avenue, off the five. Uh, that's South Bay Swap Meet. Okay. So there's six. There's quite a few. Of them. Yeah. And they're all usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Most of them, um, a couple of them operate on Wednesdays, um, and then there's also the the one over at Qualcomm Stadium on Wednesday nights as well, and they only operate Wednesday and nights. And you guys have a special lease? Like how, how does this work? So because the swap meet is kind of such a unique business, you have to go to the city and get a CUP, conditional use permit, and asking for a variance to operate a flea market or a large event on a parking lot or a piece of property on a regular basis because it's not a one-day event. Um, so you So there's lots of... Kind of permitting and licensing things they got it they have to go into it they need to know how much traffic influx is going to occur on the area what maybe what signage might occur power i mean there's lots of different parts of, or facets of the business that sure. have to be kind of looked at oh yeah so Parking. all the fun stuff exactly all the, all the stuff we get to do for del mar <laughs> how, how did your grandfather think of doing this so actually it kind of goes even farther back uh, my grandfather's originally from phoenix arizona and he was in the radio industry, so it's kind of full circle for me, kind of getting to be a part of a podcast. On his birthday. Yeah, on his yeah. birthday. And so he was selling radio, and he married into a family that at the time owned all of the Greyhound racing tracks in Arizona. So, wow. um, And that was, called, um, that was the Funk family, and it was the Funk Greyhound racing tracks. And so there's a couple of them that still operate in Arizona. Really? There's still yep. Greyhound yeah, racing yeah, tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. old football coach is uh, Chris Grebe. He's, yeah. he's doing it. He does. Yeah. He trains greyhounds. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And so at that time, those racing tracks were on big pieces of property. They wanted to figure out other ways of revenue. And they had these massive parking lots. And they're like, when the racetrack is not operating, let's put a shit ton of vendors out here, charge them X amount of dollars, and create it into a swap meet. They had learned that from up in uh, Northern California, San Jose, they were doing the same type of thing. These flea markets were popping up all over the West Coast sure. back in the 50s. Well, yeah, I mean, anybody, for anybody to... that's traveled international. I mean, I lived in Spain. Yep. And the biggest thing, like one of the main attractions of Madrid is going to the flea market. Yep. Because that's where you can find incredible craft. Exactly. Yeah, I know the incredible handcraft deals. arts uh, overseas in Europe. I mean, it puts everything in the U.S. kind of to shame. We're so behind. It, we're so behind on that kind of shit. So it, it's crazy. I mean, my my wife's family is, my wife is first generation American. And we when we go to Italy, it's just amazing seeing the yeah. handcraft plates, pottery, uh, artisan craft work that, I mean, is so cheap, but at the same time, it's so amazing quality. Sure. It, it puts American items to Well, it's shape. a dedication to craftsmanship, yeah. no, you is. know. We don't like to work with our hands yeah. anymore. So back uh, in the, let's see, it was 1975, uh, summer of 1975, he was working in Phoenix at the Phoenix Greyhound Racing Track, learning how to run a swap meet. He got a call to move to San Diego and take over the old Midway Drive-In. So on the corner of Sportsman Boulevard and West Point Loma, where mm -hmm. the soup plantation is, there yep. used to be a drive-in movie theater there. Wow. And there was a small little swap meet. And it was just the San Diego swap meet, let's call it. And 1976, my grandfather moved here with my mother, his wife, my grandmother, um, their other two kids, my, my, my aunt and uncle. And they took over this swap meet. And it was... Very little, small business, mom and pop kind of run business. It, but in 1979, down the street, uh, he um, he was looking for another location because that uh, driving movie theater was going to be torn down. Mm -hmm. And so he got he looked down the street at the sports arena, which was operating. They I, I believe the the Clippers had just moved. Eighty two. Uh, or no, the Clippers were about to move. Yeah, eighty two. Year I was and, born, the Clippers moved. And, the year my son was born, the Chargers moved. So, not a good bloodline. 
So it yeah, should be moving next. In, yeah. in August of 1980, he moved to the sports chain, and that's when the Kobe, when the Kobe swap was born, August of 1980. And we went from 13 sellers uh, um, in 1979 to upwards of 250 on, in one weekend. Wow. Fast forward another 10 years, we're out doing over 1,000 vendors a day. How long are these vendors staying? Just for that one day. For, I mean, just... Yeah, but like... Re- Oh, like over year, like, yeah, yeah. year so over year. So currently, right now, we probably have like legacy vendors. Yeah, we have, I would say, about half a dozen that have been there since day one. No way. Yeah, we have a guy that sells uh, futons out there. Really? Yep. Futons are still hot. He's yep. gone through decades. And <laughs> and Kobe Swapping is his only retail outlet. He has a warehouse, appointment only, no online sales, no other retailing other than Kobe Swapping. Interesting. A um, couple other people have come and gone. They they'll move to a brick and mortar, and then what? And then they close that brick and mortar. They come back to the swap meet because mm-hmm. they realize the swap meet is so such low cost to have a retail store. Sure, I mean it costs forty bucks a day. That's what you charge hours. them. Yeah, we charge forty dollars on Saturday or Sunday, twenty on Friday. Are you maxed out at a thousand? No. So right now on Saturday uh, on Saturdays we will bring in I would say about five to six hundred. So we still have plenty of room available. Sunday's our biggest day because most businesses will be closed on Sunday after church, come down to swap me. Sundays will do anywhere from, I'd say, six to eight hundred. So we still have a room, uh-huh. a room to fill. Um, but like we were talking before the podcast, that damn Amazon is, right. I think, killing all retail businesses. Yeah. And so we're trying to find new ways, uh, I mean, back to that digital world on how to get people out to the swap meet and go back to that face-to-face interaction. Yeah, we talk, talked about it a little bit before the podcast with Amazon, you know. So and it's it happens to everybody because Amazon's touching everything, right? For us at Valley Farm, we are having a uh, Amazon Go is there a new yep. store in Seattle where you come in, you swipe your phone, and you uh, put things in your basket or your purse or whatever it is. You walk out. They have an algorithm set up to where it charges you. Isn't it um, and, RFID? Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. But you walk out, so there's no cashiers and no interaction. Yeah. You're in and out. And now there's some, there's a place for that. I, I, I Don't kid yourself. If I need to go somewhere real quick and do it, I I'll do it too. 100%. But what we're finding and what, what you said earlier that kind of stuck with me is that you're, you're trying to put a face and, and, and be there and, and, you know, be active. That's what we're doing here at Valley Farm. So we have to create an experience. You can't, I cannot compete with, you know, the Whole Foods when they're going to go with their uh, cashiers that are, that are non-existent and basically you come do everything yourself and you're gone. I'm paying for a cashier to be there because I want them to give you an experience and talk to you and say hi and, and want engage with you. So when you come in here, you feel that warm feeling. And that's kind of what Kobe's does. You know, you talked about the other places and we don't need to get into them, but, you know, they might not have that. And that's really cool for us to see that, you know, you're, you care so much. You want to be out on, on digital, put your name out there. And then, you know, you can go around talk to people say hey come on come on out that's that's what people want to do that engagement that's been lost and and we're losing it more and more i think and i hope because it's it's what's going to help us is going to come back i think people are starting to see like the engage engagement on phones and stuff is great but once you get back to the one-on-ones and sitting down with someone and talking to them and getting to know them it's so much more gratifying i mean i feel it so much more than than a text message or an email and i think people are going to have to get back to that because there's something about a, a personal interaction that that's uh, that's huge. So, again, we can only hope. You know, that's it's what I'm doing. It's what I'm hanging my hat on. Just giving an experience here at the store. So, hopefully, that's what uh, you guys can do and continue to grow. 
Yeah, I think along those lines, I mean, it's not just that personal interaction, but it's it's the whole event. I mean, the fact that, you know, there's always going to be a place for that village feel where you go in and you have this experience of that craft of whatever that seller is. And, you know, you know that somebody there, I mean, I used to go to the swap meet to buy bonsai tree because there was a lady there that she had the best fucking coolest bonsais. I never could keep them alive, but shit, she always had a new one for me to buy. But she was, but I love going to talk yeah. to her about it. You know, my grandmother, she was Japanese and I could go and bring her and it was an experience for us. And like, that was something cool that no matter what, no matter how much I love digital, I can't swipe that and then have Amazon deliver that. And there, then there's no, then there's no memory between me and my grandmother going, yeah. you know, and like, that's something that, you know, we talk about on this podcast, we talk to other people about because ignoring it doesn't help, but doing the podcast, talking about it and finding ways to celebrate the people that are selling stuff there and to have those family experiences, you know, you were thrown into the business. I mean, you were yep. thrown on billboards, exactly thrown in magazines, uh, talk about once you became conscious of kind of what was what was going on. Yeah, no, um, kind of like what Derek and both of you had, uh, mentioned, Sean, is that experience is huge. I mean, I have cousins that are working that cashier window, and we tell them, you're the, you're the face. Sure. It's not me, Anthony. I might be in a box office behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You're the first person that's going to interact with that customer. So you need to provide them a smile. Welcome to Kobe's. Is there anything I can help you with? Is there, any, is there a direction I can point you in in, in the way of? And... It's just it's just an amazing feeling being able to kind of bring satisfaction to somebody face to face. Then, like we keep saying, going back to the phone. I mean, you don't get anything off the phone other than click buy now, one mm-hmm. click of ordering. And so that swap meet feeling is it's almost like it's a little city in itself that goes up and down every weekend because we only operate three days a week, really. And when we're out there, it, it's basically a little sub city of San Diego. And so there's a lot of families out there, multi-generational families that have been vendors and shoppers of mine for so many years. And without them, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, I I can't count how many families there are that now are entering into their next generation of kids that are out there running the $5 sock booth or selling produce. And they're making maybe not 100% of their income from the swap meet, but a majority of it is coming from Kobe Swap Meet. So that's just an amazing feeling to be a part of and provide that opportunity for so many families in San Diego that want that opportunity. So what's, what's your, what's your outlook now? Like is, do you have a scalability where you can look at another one eventually? Like, are, are you wanting to just really focus on this one that you have now and, and get it running as efficient as you can? What, what's your, what's your growth? So plan? we've, we've done the other ones in San Diego and mm-hmm. unfortunately just kind of with every business you learn, you live and you learn and you learn from your mistakes. We started them. Um, actually uh, we started one in, in the late nineties up in Pomona, um, lost about a three quarters of a million dollars on that project. Wow. Um, we started one down, uh, right next to a Aquatic water park, um, at the sleep train amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was before all the housing was built. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, if you don't have housing, you don't have shoppers. So after those two experiences, my family kind of went back to the drawing board and went back to the table and was like, you know what? We need to focus all of our efforts here at the sports arena, at, the, at Kobe Swami, because we know we have something here. Let's just make this experience the best damn experience sure. in San Diego for a swap meet. Yeah. And so that's what we've done. And ever since I've been involved, I've tried to figure out more ways that we can kind of reinvent ourselves. Because a swap meet is kind of an old-fashioned way of retailing. Sure. Um, but at the same 
time there's ways to like kind of like you mentioned um derek about doing different things with your store about kind of bringing technology into it mm -hmm. so we were an all manual business i mean we sold physical tickets to our customers now we have a computer database that all of our vendors go inside of and they get thermal receipts um uh that way and social media huge when i came into the swap meet in 2008 we weren't on social media i mean many businesses weren't sure many and, businesses still aren't exactly and i figured you know what how cool is it let's put a swap meet on social media so that when people aren't here they can see what cool shit that they can get yeah. the next time they're in san diego the next time they're in point loma whatever it may be um let's post our featured vendor of the day let's post our featured cashier whatever it may be special events and so that those are the things we're trying to focus on now um but kind of in the back of our minds is our lease so because I, like i mentioned we operate on the sports arena and mm -hmm. it is city-owned land our lease only goes until 2020. beyond that i don't know what's going to happen um, when can you start re to renegotiate? So right, currently, right now, um, that's what Ernie AEG, um, Ernie Hahn and AEG are doing with the city, and it looks good. It looks positive, but at the same time, I think we all kind of know that a new arena will be built here in San Diego at mm -hmm. some point or another. Um, and with that being said, we've kind of just got to keep all of our options open. Um, we believe that I uh, like a five-year extension most likely will happen, so that'll take us to twenty twenty-five. At that point, I'll be 35. Okay, I'm, I'm slowly working my way there. But at the same time, I mean, we're looking at other pieces of property around San Diego. But it, as we all know, San Diego's a damn fucking expensive place to live. Dude, yep. it's so, crazy. And let alone to run a business. We're, yeah. we're, we're running into it right now. Sean and I have been working on a project for a year and two <laughs> a year months. And two months, yeah. Yeah, and it's um, been, been extremely hard. And what we're getting, I mean, we're like... At the make or break stage right now, yep. either we're going to do it or we're not, and we're not getting emotional about it. And we're we're at our number, and it's extremely hard because they have a, a performer they have to hit, and they have to have that number. And we get it; it's San Diego, but we can't put ourselves in a situation or a position where we're we're behind the eight ball off the bat. Yeah. So it, it's hard because we want it so bad, and, and but we're very strategic with what we're doing. But it's just so expensive, man. Yeah. I mean, these leases. I'm fortunate; I own this property yep. here. You know, not everyone can can afford to do that. So I, whenever I go look at places, when we look at things, I want to buy the properties. Of course. Now, this play, place that we're looking at in La Jolla, we can't buy. Well, first off, I couldn't fucking afford it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're, we're not going to be able to buy it. And it's just crazy. The leases, the triple nets, the, you know, people don't understand what the amount that goes into a lease. We talked about it before. Five years ago, I was going to make. I was going to have 10 stores and I was ready to go do all these things. I would have signed any fucking lease. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was so easy, right? Yep. I'm like, Oh, I can fucking do that. I'm so happy. I didn't the due diligence that Sean and I have done for the, over the past 14 months that no one's going to ever see painful that, that we'll never be able to, there's nothing tangible that we're going to get from yep. it, but it's, it's so important. The learning process. I learned more in these last 14 months than I have in the last five years about leases and, yeah. and all that stuff. And it's been great. It's it's hurting because we know that it might not happen, but man, it's uh, it's it's great. But yeah, going into trying to find somewhere else, who wants to give up acres of property in San Diego for cheap? No one wants to fucking yeah. do it. There, I mean, there's it's... a high number on that, you know. So yeah, we're watching it very close. Um, the right now, um, the like I mentioned, the lease ends in May of 2020, and that's the sports arena land. But at the same time, Dixie Line Lumber, which is right next door to the sports yep. arena, mm -hmm. that's city owned land. Yeah. Uh, and going all the way up to where the In-N-Out Burger is, that up to that shopping center is about 100 acres of city-owned 
property in San Diego. Sure. After the Qualcomm Stadium or San Diego County Credit Union Stadium, that's the largest piece of property in San, in San, in San Diego, central San Diego. And I think the city council members, the mayor all know that that's an expensive piece of property. Sure. They can sell that for a couple hundred million bucks right. to a developer and they can turn it into condos. But at the same time, I think we're going through that, uh, I think, learning curve again or education period that, hey, swap me is a great uh, engine for small mom and pop businesses. So why not let's piece out a piece of that property for yeah. us long term? Will that happen? I don't know. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, to think how, how many smart people are in San Diego yet, how long it takes to get something done. I mean, I was... I went to school at Boulder first, and then I transferred to University of San Diego. And when I was at University of San Diego, I did an internship with Dick Murphy down at the mayor's mm -hmm. office, and I was working in District 2. And I'd go to these community planning meetings, and they would be talking about the parcel that Sports Arena sits on. And the residents would come, and you know they talk about environmental impact, and they talk about traffic, and you know what needs to happen for the long term. And this is 2005. Yep. I mean, we're in 2018. Nothing's been done. Nothing's happened. Yeah. Fucking nothing's yeah. happening. And actually nothing, I think, will happen for another, I would th think, minimum five years. I think now there's quite a few players at the table with uh, the local sports teams, minor league sports teams, that can do something. It's just a matter of where and how can we achieve that um, with the owners of the Goals, the new owners of the Seals. Yep. Um, and something will happen, but I, will it happen in the sports team? Sporting land, I don't think so. Though I think they want to go downtown. Just yeah. finding that piece of property is is going to be key. But at the same time, I mean, we have to worry about our business, on so my family's business, and and I want to provide for my twin daughters so that sure. they have a place to come out on the weekends when they're five, ten years old. I mean, my wife and I talk about it every day. Like, what's going to what would happen if Kobe's shut down? It's, I mean, that's a terrible thing to think about. Did you ever hate the family business? No, I say there, hate because that was kind yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah. But did you ever kind of despise? Yeah, no, hey, it's, dude, it's I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to go yeah. fucking. Walk, I don't want to sweep the parking lot. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned hate. My my mom, as I was growing up, always said, "I'll never use that." I, Anthony, you can never use that word hate because that mean that is such a strong word. Yep. you can dislike something, but at the same time, you 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 shouldn't hate something. Mm -hmm. So, are there days when I? Think twice about going out there at the crack of dawn, sure. But at the same time, I realized, you know what? This is an amazing opportunity, and what a better place to learn business than next next to both of my parents, my mom and my dad. I mean, that's that's so lucky. I'm I'm so lucky, and, um, and eventually, hopefully, provide something for my for my kids. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, in 2008 or 2007, 2006, when I was just out of high school, I mean, I was out there on the parking lot sweeping. Did I last long? No, because I didn't want to sweep were you, track. Were, were you a good sweeper? <laughs> pretty bad sweeper. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, pretty bad sweeper. But fast forward now 12 years, I mean, I, I'm getting to be in the back offices learning all the aspects of the operation from payroll, HR, hiring, advertising. And just learning everything that goes into it. I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about before. Everybody doesn't get to see all the shit you guys, everybody does behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, it's it's easy to um, come in here and, and how easy I have it or how easy we have it, right? We, it's it's so easy. They don't see. They're like, oh, I haven't seen you, man. Where have you been? You haven't been. You've been off for two weeks. I'm like, I've been in my fucking office grinding to make sure this shit's running right. And I don't, you, you never want to 
tell Say somebody that. Yeah, that. Of course. Like, and you're joking. Yep, been <laughs> off. Man. I haven't been doing shit. Yeah. Been putting my feet up and, and relaxing. But it's the things that people don't see. And you have to be self-motivated to do those things because you can't – there's nothing about it that people are going to understand. So you just have to say, okay, I'm not in it for them. I'm doing it for me. And waking up every morning knowing that they're going to do some things that you don't like and, you know, like – like you're saying, the APs, the ARs, the the payrolls, all that, all that stuff. That's it's just a lot, and it's yeah. but it's good to learn because you can never take that back. You're, it's always your education and knowledge is something you're always going to be, be able to take with you, whether or not you get to sign another lease, whether or not it works out or, or doesn't. You know, you're going to have that education, and you know, for you, it's been awesome to be able to work with your parents, and you guys have a great relationship. Me, it wasn't the best when I came into a family business. We we my dad phenomenal. My dad's a saint. Um, but you know, the, the uncle and, uh, my aunt, you know, me and my aunt are great now. Our relationship's phenomenal. Uh, but you know, having that family dynamic, it was, it was really, really hard. Yeah. Really hard. Were there any difficulties with taking over social media and going, you know, coming up with a digital plan? Because a lot of digital and a lot of social, it's a lot of testing. No, so it you is. don't know yeah. what your voice is. You don't know what your message is until you actually start doing it. You know, we've done a lot of, I, think, I would say, trial by air uh, campaigns. And like you said, you don't know unless you try it. And so back in 2012, we were doing videos every weekend. And For YouTube? On YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I produced 150 videos in, I would say, an 18-month period. And I would every day I would wake up and I'd be like, I'm not the next viral star on YouTube. What the fuck? Yeah. And I, my parents would just say, keep grinding, Anthony. You're, you're building yourself a brand. You're building yourself this little character to show the customers of the swap meet. And so we kept doing it. We kept doing it. Well, just with anything, I mean, everything gets so dang expensive. We adjust and we go down a different road. And so now we go mainly photography because it's, it doesn't cost so damn much. Mm -hmm. um, I, didn't, I don't have to have four people on, on staff. I only have to have one. Yeah. Um, with, with building that guess you'd say that brand that character we'd all we've always wanted to build off that family uh, mm -hmm. a family instinct i mean we're a family we have lots of families out here at kobe's so we want to showcase it's authentic family, exactly that i mean authentic you, you don't have feeling. to yeah you don't have to force family that's yeah. who you guys are so it's generational and it, it's always been a big part of our belief that we need to be on the front lines every single day so am i out there every single day at 4 a.m well you better fucking believe it i am Am I out there till six o'clock at night? Of course I am. Because I want to show my staffers, the guys that are straight out of high school, that I can do it too. Mm -hmm. That I've been here for 14, 16 hours. I'm not complaining. I might be tired, but I'm still here. And you'll be here the next day. Exactly. Yeah. And that's been huge to us. And, and, and proving to all those people that there's nothing that we can't do. And there's nothing that we're, we're not willing to do. So we have portable restrooms. If we have to go to the portable restrooms and tighten them up, Will we do it? Mm -hmm. We might bitch about it, but yeah, of right. course yeah. we will. Right. So because we have to report to somebody else, and we want to we want to provide that best customer experience possible uh, to our customers of Kobe Swap Meet. Is the Swap Meet seasonal? So some Swap Meets are. Uh -huh. um, our we, business, we have good seasons here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are. <laughs> well, very, I'm just saying, like, I didn't yeah. know, like, if, if uh, during the oh yeah, no, season, no, you're right, if, actually. If, yeah. So yeah, we yeah, right. we operate every single weekend. The only time have, that we have ever closed um, was two days. One in our 38-year history. One Sunday, Rock and Roll Marathon took over our parking lot and used it for a parking lot. And so we were all forced <laughs> on vacation that day. 
I'm sure you guys weren't happy about that. No, no. <laughs> it was it was actually weird. We were flying to Vegas for my dad's birthday because it was my dad's birthday that on that day, and we're flying over the parking lot, and there's a sea of cars on the parking lot. I'm like, oh. Kobe should be operating. Yeah. That's a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Then the last time was a rainout, a massive rainout. I, and I want to say it was uh, about two years ago. Um, but it, regardless of a sports training event, goals game, dizzy on ice, we will be there. And mm-hmm. we believe that consistency is key in our business. If we operate one Sunday and we're closed for six Sundays, that's not building that consistency for our customers. So even when there's Disney on ice, you guys take the half parking lot. We take the a half parking right? lot, exactly. And we'll rent auxiliary parking lots behind the sports arena yep. in our office complex. Um, and we'll, we'll shoot our customers around the block and put them there. It's a, a, we call it a um, kind of a monkey fire drill because we're putting our shoppers almost around like a three quarters of a mile drive just to get parking for the swap meet. But they'll do it. Because they want to get into the swap meet. So as far as growth, is it more important to get more vendors or more customers? So we believe that if we get more shoppers, we will get more vendors. Because eventually, like it goes back to what we were talking about before, everybody has to sell something. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes out to swap meet and maybe shops it once or twice, maybe, maybe the next time they think about having a garage sale, they're going to come down to Kobe's instead of throw all their shit out on the driveway. Because True. they know only 10 people are going to walk up to their driveway or 20 True. people. Yeah. Why not come down into Kobe's and have five, six thousand people look at their stuff and hopefully make a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks? If so. some of these people that have been there a long time that they continually come back, um, like what's an average person making a day? You know, like like some of these guys that are selling the futons or or the Dave the Yup guy. You know, yep. like are they making? Are they? Or they have big ticket items sometimes where it's five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, or is it? So more? typically they don't bring out those big ticket items because. Uh-huh. With the swap meet, security, I would say, is not the highest that it could be, like a brick-and-mortar store. Well, they also manage their, their staff so low. Exactly. Right? It might only be one or two guys. And But at the same time, if, like with Dave Hester, we'll use that as an example, he'll rent 10 spaces from us. So he's into us for 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. Then he's got, let's say, four workers at, I would say, about 100 bucks at each. So you're you're talking almost a thousand bucks minimum that he's got to break that nut before he makes any money, and that doesn't include the merchandise he's bringing out. Yeah. Exactly. Now with those guys, because they're buying storage units, they I I feel like their numbers are very convoluted because you might buy one storage unit for two grand, another storage unit for five grand. So you have to cross margin exactly. A lot. <clears throat> so, but at the same time, if they're out there every weekend, we feel like they're making enough bucks to make it, but at the same time, bring new merchandise each week. I mean, it's not like they can't afford their brand new $50,000 box truck that they're bringing in every mm-hmm, weekend. Mm-hmm. So they're making enough dough, I would say. The retail businesses is kind of a different thing. I think a lot of retail businesses nowadays that come out to the swap meet and maybe kickstart an item, they use the swap meet as kind of their starting point. Uh, like I say, we're kind of like the OG kickstarter. The swap meet's a great place to try. So, and get your product out in front of Test thousands. the market. Exactly, test the market because you don't know. And putting your item on... A digital platform is great, but at the same time, you don't get to touch. They can't feel it. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. That whole that whole touch and feel uh, experience is taken away. Oh, it's huge. I mean, yeah. Brian, Brian Smith from UGG, he talked about you know how much he learned by actually selling directly to the customer, yeah. by actually being there and seeing. You know, it helped him develop skills that he would help when he would go into a local surf shop and approach the GM or the owner. I mean, literally learning on the front line. No, well, how how hard is it to sell a fucking Jesus Uggs uh, uh, <laughs> in San Diego? Surfer. Yeah, like, oh, that's fucking. I need flip flops, not fucking Uggs. Right. Speaking of that, I need to. I can't, 
I was going to buy a pair. Why didn't you get some? Because my memory is not very good. And I <laughs> but I need to buy a pair because he said I won't sweat in them. And I have a hard yeah. time believing that. But I want to try it. I want to try it. Yeah, we should definitely get you a pair. I'm, I'm, I, I'll buy a pair. <laughs> so uh, you guys have a, a cool event that you're doing for Derek and I. We talk a lot about, I mean, we became as close as we are because of charity. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys have an upcoming nonprofit day, uh, which is something that's really cool. Tell us a little bit so, more about so, that. So, yeah. So over our 38-year history, we've always worked with the local communities, of, uh, local nonprofit communities of San Diego. And we've always offered nonprofit organizations to have a free space at the swap meet. But this year, we've kind of taken that and we're going to do it all on one day. So Saturday, August. Whose 18th, idea? My parents. Wow. Cool. And for the longest time, I was not behind it. Because I realized to myself, why should I give away 100 spaces if mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a dollar? But they're like, Anthony, it's not about that. Right. There's bigger things beyond it. And now I've learned that. Right. So with that being said, we invited, I compiled lists from the Business Journal, the BBB, the Chamber, about 500 organizations that we invited out. We're, we're just at uh, about 75 confirmed organizations that are going to come out to the swap meet 100% free. Either have a garage sale or an informational booth to raise money, talk about their causes that they're involved in, and do it all, all all at Kobe's because we believe that Kobe's is a great outlet to get in front of thousands of people. Sure. And during my research and my homework, I didn't find one event that specializes in this. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of events that have a nonprofit aspect, but there's not one that focuses on every nonprofit. Like, I don't care what your nonprofit is. I have a nonprofit that's coming out that focuses on house rabbits. I've never even heard of that. House rabbits. Yeah, the, the San Diego Neighborhood House Rabbit Society. And so they're going to come out to Kobe's and promote their mission. Hmm. But at the same time, we have the big organizations, the Goodwills, the American Cancer Societies. the San, San Diego Di- Food Bank? Yeah, the food bank is going to do a canned food drive. The blood bank is going to bring out their blood bus and, and do a blood drive. Um, now, are they going to do anything where they're trying to sell or are they looking so for a lot of them, a lot of them are going to have garage sales, rummage sales, okay. and get stuff that, through their organizations sure. and come out to the swap meet. But then the other ones are just going to hand out their pamphlets mm-hmm. and their brochures, maybe sell their swag. Uh-huh. Um, but again, it goes back to the fact that it's 100% free to every organization. Um, and so like I mentioned, we're about 75 organizations have already confirmed and are about to be a part of it. Um, on August 18th. And so with that being said, we've already gotten the proclamation from the mayor that on Saturday, August 18th, it'll be Kobe Swami nonprofit day in the city of San Diego. Cool. And we're hoping to get some other local, I would say, uh, politicians out there to be a part of it and kind of give back to the community of San Diego, the nonprofit community of San Diego. Yeah, it's not just them. It's not just them. So we'll have our regular swap meet going on as well in, in concert with this. But we're going to take one of our whole aisleways and fill it with every organization. Speaking of concerts, have you guys ever done live entertainment? We have not. We've done special, I would say, special little things. Side, uh, but because because we're a totally portable event, I don't have the portable staging, nor do I know what might go into it. Are there nights when I'm at home laying in bed thinking about, oh, how awesome would it be to throw on a concert or? Mm-hmm. Uh, now since I met you and Sean to do like a, some sort of barbecue event out there, that would be awesome if I can get Ernie on board. I mean, Ernie's on board. Yeah. Barbecue. He's down. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever, so, no, whatever, I, whatever we need. So I, I as I've kind of gone on this event side of things, I've realized, you know what, there's lots of little special events that we can do. So why not take a stab at it? We might fail at some, but at the same time, you don't know if you don't try. 
So, and then in September, we're holding a Volkswagen car show and swap meet. And so we're, um, I was actually approached by them. Um, a local promoter for Volkswagens approached me about three weeks ago. and was like, Anthony, we want to have a car swap meet and Volkswagen classic car show. And I was like, okay. I, we've done stuff in the past with cars because we feel that classic cars and swap meets fit very well together. Yeah. So it's a good customer fit. Um, but at the same time, um, I haven't tried any and succeeded. And so we, we put this event together. And actually yesterday, um, I, I got word from my promoter that we're going to get a Kearney Mesa Volkswagen on board as our presenting sponsor. Cool. And they're going to set up a big display with their new car, do test drives. And I'm, I'm being told from all the guys I'm working with that we're going to have upwards of a couple hundred cars out there on display. And then at the same time, all the local VW parts shops from all the way down in TJ and Sonata, all the way up to Orange County are going to be out there selling their It's a lot stock. bigger than I thought. My buddy does it, and he talks about, you know, going buying play, going and getting motors and stuff. He's like, anything from the 1600s to the 2332s, yep. the dual carb, and, you know, he's like, all these different things. He's like, they're so easy to work on. I remember exactly. I used to work on a little 1600 when I had our house in Mexico mm-hmm. when I was like 14 years old. And, uh, but now, I mean, it's just... People are, are really into it and, and buying a bunch of different little parts for it, so it's great. Yeah, no, the classic car world, I think, is a, is a great world that we can kind of partner with. And so it kind of goes back to the, the fact about what, what's going to happen with Qualcomm Stadium, former Qualcomm Stadium. And there's lots of car shows that occur that are on a regular basis. And I, the other day, it kind of hit me in my head. I was like, what's going to happen when there's no more Qualcomm mm-hmm. if something happens, if yeah. the city moves forward with something? Right. They're going to look for another place. Well, why not? Let's do them here at Kobe's. Yep. Because it's a great, we have the property, we have the area. So let's add another five or six events, maybe car related events throughout the year. I know. So yeah, I'm excited about both those events um, and look forward to both those days. Derek and I, we would be at that nonprofit day if we weren't getting set up for Del Mar on August 18th. Yeah, so we're going to be loading in yeah. all the uh, barbecue. So is your, is on is your event Pacific, on, on 19th? It's on, on the 19th, 19th yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, but on the 18th, we'll be up there loading Getting in. Getting ready. You don't want to see 60, us. <laughs> all the 60 Kansas City Barbecue <laughs> Society teams. We wouldn't do that to you. Um, yeah, and getting ready. The Pacific Classic, the million dollar horse race, will be on that day. So oh, that's awesome. It's a lot of, uh, lot of moving parts for us, but um, this is definitely something cool if somebody's in San Diego and they want to come and check that out. Uh, Go to that and then come up on the nineteenth. Nineteenth, man, it's tickets are on it's sale. Almost here, uh, it's less how stupid than, is that? It's a month away. Oh my god, it's a month away. It already gives uh, me a headache. I had a great meeting with Big Green Egg. Really? Yeah. What did I say? Doctor Barbecue's coming. Really? Ray Lampy, Hall of Fame Barbecue. He's going to come out, uh, do a book signing. He's going to put on a class. Uh, we're going to do a whole Big Green Egg experience. Uh, Scott Kaplan's going to come out. Um, it's going to be really cool. They're they're fired up. I mean, they've been involved the last two years and been involved with Spring Valley. But they you're going to be uh, able to buy big green eggs this year too. You'll be able to buy big green eggs. Butter. Be able to get a signed book. Talk to uh, Ray Lampy himself. VIP tickets. Those are going to go quick. I think. Yeah, and get a signature from Sean. If you like. <laughs> and uh, it'll uh, be, be exciting. I don't know about that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's coming along. U.S. Foods has been awesome. Scott, uh, working with them, trying to get the, uh, PC side figured out. Uh, we've got a lot of, uh, teams. Yep. We went out to Vista, Derek Walls and myself went out to Vista barbecue classic, said what's up to some of the teams that are going to be coming out. Yard pirates. They took, uh, first in PC. Did they? Yeah, they did. That's awesome. We have uh, rub your meat barbecue is actually in San Diego right now. And I'm, um, 
Do you have any plans on Thursday? Oh, I was, I was waiting for my invite. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been asking this guy to get on his fucking fishing boat for God, since I've known him 10 yeah. years. He so takes gonna, all his other buddies. We're going to try. I did non-podcasting this buddies. <laughs> two years ago, two years ago when the bluefin were here, I was fucking out there all the time catching bluefin. I caught nine bluefin over 200 pounds. Wow. Last year. I went out sporadically. Uh, things were going on here, as you know. Um, didn't get out nearly as much as I wanted to. Got our new boat, but, you know, real excited about it. Got, uh, slipped it over in um, Point Loma this year. One time. One time. That's how fucking busy we've been. So, and you have a new child. Yeah. So, but Thursday. Got a lot I'm, going on. I'm trying to get out to the Coronado Islands to put them on some. Uh, For how long? Tail. I'm trying to get out there around eight and just be out till like two and come. Hopefully we limit out. There's some big bluefin out there, but I'd hate to. So no a, workout. I get a workout pass. Um, no, you have to work out before then. <laughs> yeah. You have to go run. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're going to try to get out there with those guys and, and put them on some fish. Uh, hopefully you can make it. I'll try. I'll definitely, I want to go love fishing. Hopefully you don't get seasick. I don't get seasick. That, that's for my, uh, my Bulgarian family. Yeah. <laughs> it's my wife and father-in-law and mother-in-law. But um, Anthony, man, we appreciate you coming out here at Kobe's. Uh, everything we talk about today will be in the show notes. Um, for us, it's just really cool to be in a place where we can have conversations about other businesses um, that we love and respect and you know what you are doing for your family, um, embracing digital embracing the village trying to you know just grind it out like the rest of us uh for Derek and I it's it's something that's very admirable and if it wasn't for the podcast we wouldn't be able to sit down and have these conversations you know no matter where you are in the world there's probably a swap meet or a flea market um in your village and uh you know everyone's just trying to do the best they can you know with now there's all the farmers markets that are coming up and how do you compete how do you stay competitive and um, I think you guys are doing the right things uh, social shout out, Mike Sally 619. He has signed up for the Del Mar event. Really? He signed up. Yep. He is just the tri tip. Um, it's going to be his first contest. So not only is he following us on social, but he also reached out, which we talk about all the time. Um, getting involved is important, um, but also being willing to say that you don't know. So he said he was freaking out and I got him in touch with Gene. He's going to meet with Gene this week. But I also set him up with uh, Yard Pirates. Yar. Yar. Gave him uh, Garrett's number. Said, hey, you know, the best way to learn is to to do. And, sure. Uh, you Did know, you go maybe, up to Vista? Yeah. I told him get in touch with him. And, you know, I expected him to go out there on Saturday and help him out. Turns out he went out on Friday. Wow. Stayed with him all night. Cooked all day. He was out there. When we went out there, he was busting his fucking ass doing the things you need to do. So he, he actually is going to do PC also at Del Mar. So he's going to be first contest ever. And he's also going to be doing PC. God bless him. <laughs> God <laughs> Sounds bless like him. something we would do. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, all, um, all in. Yeah. But at Mike Sally, six one nine, uh, you get a behind the smoke mug, uh, come out to Del Mar and support him. Say what's up. Uh, just the tri tip. And thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Go out to Kobe's, um, follow them on social, um, Anthony, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at ADPreto, P-R-E-T-T-O. Right on. Cool. Yeah, no, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to come in. Uh, my first podcast experience, and 
I would say I had a blast. Uh, it was the best one, yeah. Yeah, the best one, yet. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. And um, so I appreciate meeting you guys and look cool. forward. Yeah, look forward to working with you guys on on something down the road. Well, the cool thing is there's probably leaders all across uh, the United States that meet at that conference that you were talking about, and uh, the ones that are getting on podcasts, they're doing the right thing. So uh, congratulations to you and. Look forward to uh, being here for whatever you guys need. You let us know. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hey guys, this is Sean and Derek, and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It means the world to us. We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, We want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes. So anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, Plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, Get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.